Hello, this is Grace Hayes, and you're listening to Up in the Mix. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Up in the Mix. This is Sean and Della Foto. And we've got a great episode for you guys this week, coming fresh from the Honeycomb Hideout with a special guest. Yes. I'm super excited. Uh, I've known this person a long time. We were just discussing exactly how long it's it's been so long that you can't can't remember like exactly <laughs> the first time we met, but she is a therapist, she's a mother. And she's a friend. And welcome to the show, Caitlin Wallace. Welcome. Thank you. I also re- realized that all the people I know from high school, and younger, I always call them by their maiden names. I don't even know. Do you go by your maiden name still, or do you have Clint's name? Oh, no. I kept Wallace. Okay. So there wow. we go. All right. The sec- I feel less bad now. The second the second Wallace. <laughs> Next to B. How, how, how are you doing today, this, this Saturday morning? Oh, good. Tired. Don't you went to Dawn Patrol? Dawn I did. Patrol. I crewed a balloon. How was that? Um, good and exhausting, because <laughs> you have to chase them down when they land. Oh. And pack Ooh. them up, and then bring them back to the field. But I was rewarded with a balloon ride, so I'm very thrilled about that. That's cool. How, how did the uh, the kids feel about that? Did you going in a balloon? Um, Sam went with me, my oh, oldest. Nice. Yeah, nice. he's he's eight. He was very excited. My little one was jealous, but then also was like, I don't want to go. Terrified. Yeah, she was like, No, thank you. So it was great. It was short, which was nice. We landed back on the field, and then we got to go drink champagne. Ah. Sounds like a nice start to a very early morning. Yes. It wasn't too cold either. Like, look at nice, nice. It was very nice this morning. morning. Yeah, perfect day for it. Yes, it was wonderful. And you guys went yesterday when, or did you go the other day when it was canceled because of the rain? We did. Yes, and I was standing in the rain when they called it. I was like, well, (laughs) Uh, got up early. (laughs) That must have been this morning. Yeah, and then I went and saw clients, and then I taught my class at the university, and then I went to bed and got up and did it all over again. Uh. Just get up super early. Salutes to, to you. Look rain, at you yeah. adulting. Oh, I'm so good at it sometimes. <laughs> Once in a while. Once in a while. Yeah. I uh, feel very proud of myself. That's good. Yeah. A colleague of mine said, our pandemic best, and that's what I'm sticking with. Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, definitely 100% has to be relative to existing at the end of the world because we just aren't as capable. <laughs> current health. Uh, I talk to my students about that all the time. Like, yeah, it's okay to be anxious. Look at the hellscape you guys are growing up in. Yeah. I grew up in the 90s. Yeah. This is so terrible compared to that. <laughs> and our nervous systems just aren't functioning the same that they were prior to the pandemic. So we can all just give ourselves yeah. a break. Because there's like also physical stuff out there, like the smoke, you know, oh. and then possibly contracting the virus, right? Mm-hmm. And then the mental stuff about, you know, like, what, should I go out with people? The collapse of society. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the news doesn't help at all and they do it for a reason, you know. And so it's just like things like that. Like there's you got a combination of mental and physical ailments right now. Yep. So. And they all relate, like, mm-hmm. you know, in our back brain smoke signals danger and run <laughs> so our whole nervous system is just shouting at us to flee or, because yeah, of the yeah. smoke and we're like ah 
Like I can outthink it because I know where the fire is, mm-hmm. but that doesn't stop your body from like, just shut yeah. up, brain. Yeah, <laughs> that, I know that this is dangerous. Yeah. Does that does not work? I'm just gonna go to school and pretend like it's normal, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, we have a new segment we're gonna try out. It's called Story Time. Mm-hmm. So I have a story this week about one of my students who I thought hated me. The student came to class. Like I sit outside my my classroom every day. And I greet the students as they walk in. Like I say their name. It helps build relationships with them. You know, like, and this student never acknowledged me at all. But like, you know, I'm used to teaching middle school, so I didn't take it personally. I'm like, whatever. Like, they've probably got something going on. But uh, he or this student emailed me the other day and came out as trans in the email and explained that like they had been kind of like panicking and unsure about everything since school had started Uh, because like on the first day I'd asked the students for their preferred names and pronouns and they weren't prepared and like had like an anxiety attack and then felt guilty because they hadn't taken the chance to like share it Mm -hmm. so I was still calling them by their birth name so it was just like a cascading thing of guilt shame, anxiety about everything. And since that like email, like they explained, they liked the class and blah, blah, blah. And then apologized for like being so direct in the email. I'm like, never apologize to someone for telling them who you are. I'm like, thank you for sharing with me. And just, I didn't like, that was it. I said the email next day, like the students interacting in class is like openly going by the, their chosen name. And like I, I went like they then uh, yesterday they had gone and told the office. So then their name had been changed in like the, the computer system. So it was a interesting uh, like several days with, with this student and seeing just the conflict. And I was like, God damn, I can't imagine having to go through like deal with all with everything else going on yeah. mm-hmm. and then they've got this going on too and the, the cool thing is, is like the class is so awesome like oh, they're, like they're so great um like there's a there's a there's a student in there that's openly gay like first day just like mentioned that he had a boyfriend like so nonchalantly and uh like you know it's world history we've been talking about religion like there's a student who's from uh vietnam who's uh, Buddhist who's like shared his thoughts. We have another student that's uh, uh, Muslim and has shared like her, like such a cool group of kids and none of them batted an eye when the student like, you know, started going by this other name and uh, working together. So man, like kids are, kids are a lot different than when we were growing up. Yeah. Kids are going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. Like me thinking about, you know, having that stress on me back in high school. I don't know if the young C's can do it, you know? And yeah. these people and these kids, like, you know, it's very brave for the student to do that. And a lot of, you know, things going through their head and things like that. Like, it's just fantastic. And that's how you know the future is going to be good, you know? We just got to get these old people out <laughs> <laughs> that are still scared of things. Yeah. I mean, it's Suicide Awareness Week mm-hmm. at the school. So, you know, it's something that we've been talking about and, you know, uh, LGBTQ students are so much more likely to, to commit suicide or contemplate suicide. So, um, like, it's just it's just crazy that the, the world 
that we're living like you know some some people are so accepting and some people are so against this stuff and I'm, it's just I'm like you're you selfish fucking assholes like mm-hmm. just let people live and be who they are and respect who they are yeah mm-hmm. it's just it's not they claim to be so religious but they're so unaccepting of others I don't, <laughs> I don't know that's another wormhole but that was my to. <laughs> that was my story of the week um, thought I would share because it was it was just I was I didn't know how to react yeah or I didn't know how to respond at first and I was like so shocked at the whole the whole way it went down. So, yeah, being a teacher is crazy these days too. Mm-hmm. But today is the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Where were you on that morning, Caitlin? What what was your day in life like at that time? Do you oh, remember? Man. Yeah, it's funny cuz been talking about that a lot because of the anniversary. Um, so my dad had actually been hospitalized a few days before that um, with undiagnosed type 2 diabetes, and he had like a skyrocketed blood sugar, and so like, the whole house was kind of already on edge. Um, and my boyfriend at the time stayed over, and my mom was like, yeah, that's fine. And we were sleeping, and my mom just came running down the hallway that morning, like, we're under attack, we're under attack. And I was wow. just like, what oh. do you mean? Like, yeah. I was oh, so confused. You're already in crisis like, mode. Already in crisis. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and I remember going to school. I was in college. Um, recently had switched from biology to political science. I was like, oh, like, oh I'm man. in the right place for this. But then like, people just... The professors acted like nothing was going on. Like, oh, man. <laughs> because not a lot of information had come out yet about mm-hmm. what was going on. And then it was just kind of the cycle of news. And I, it's hard to remember a time before the 24-hour news cycle, but definitely that is my first memory of, like, God, you could just watch these videos all 24 day. hours yes. a day. Yeah. All mm-hmm. day. And how traumatic that was. For the people to just keep watching these videos I, over and over again. We were I was talking about it in class and, and we were discussing this. I don't think the country as a whole has gotten over the trauma we witnessed that day and we all need as a country some therapy. <laughs> yes. I'm here to help. Like <laughs> I'm like, this is I'm like watching, I'm like, this is so traumatic just to, twenty years later for me to like relive this day and uh-huh. I wasn't there or anything. I'm like, this has scarred the country. We've never been this. We've never recovered or been the same since. Yeah. Caesar, where were you? What were you that day? So, uh, senior in high school. And in high school, I never listened to, like, the news in the morning, you know? Because I was um, just, because I like my mornings quiet, you know? And I still do. So, like, I get to class, and it's my English class. And I sit down, and my teacher's like, we're not doing anything today. And I'm, like, half asleep. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she's like, we got to go next door where the TV's at. And like, next thing you know, it's just like, it's kind of like waking up in the morning to that. And every she's like super terrified and like scared. And like the whole, the hallways after that first period was like very tense in the hallways. And nobody like knew what was really going on, you know? Like That's high, crazy. Like high school kids, like we don't really pay attention to the yeah. news, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously like the, all the teachers were... And that's in every single class for, like, the next two days because it was, like, a Tuesday, right? Mm -hmm. Tuesday. And that all week, actually, we didn't even do any work. We just watched the news. And some teachers towards the end of the week, we had started doing a little bit of classwork. But some of them, like, especially the history teachers and 
the social study teachers were kind of like trying to like be like this is what's going on politically you know trying to like give show some context a little bit because like obviously we don't know what's going on and like you know what's the taliban to us at that time you know so and it insane. was just it was crazy like just to like she just she was just i was like why is she so nervous and stressed out you know like i'm half asleep still <laughs> right. and it's cold like and it just it was just weird and now that I, I i think about it sometimes it's just it's just crazy like with the news all day like i never seen so much news for like a week like that in yeah high school yeah i was a sophomore at unr mm-hmm. and because I worked the before school program, like I got to, I worked at Marvin Moss at the time. I got there, it's like six forty-five, so I walk in, and the custodian's like, a "Helicopter or something crashed into the World Trade Center." It's on the news, and I'm like, "What?" You know, like I'm half asleep. It's six, like school, like no one's there. It's just like me and like a couple other workers. And then I get a call, and I had to go work at it, like cover for someone at a, at Agnes Risley. So I'm like driving over there, and I like turn on the news. And I'm just like, what is going on? Like, and then I'm like, no, this is a terrorist attack. It wasn't an accident, you know? And this is before, you know, like, news on your cell phone or anything. And so literally that entire morning, I sat in the cafeteria at Agnes Risley with, like, a little boombox radio mm-hmm. listening to the news. And I drove home uh, to my apartment where I lived with my roommate at the time. And, like, he's, like, wasn't going to class. And we sat there all day in our apartment watching like the news and you know calling my parents and just talk like just like what the hell is going on like it was so but like at least we got to like you know i got home by like nine o'clock so you know catch up on and see what everything was going on it wasn't like i didn't like i had journalism and our the teacher was like one of the editors for the rgj so he canceled class that day and uh yeah it was so just surreal sitting there watching this unfold like we're about to go to war like this is Mm -hmm. this is crazy it's it's insane looking back and you know talking to my students who none of them were born (laughs) (laughs) and like listening you know i had them write about um you know do some research and write about it and then seeing how they're talking like processing like the end of the afghan like you know these these guys are like yeah like this war has been going on my entire life but no one ever talks about it and it's because of 9/11 but no one really explains to us why or like I don't really know why this is happening or why it's been going on for so long because like Bin Laden has been dead since I was a little kid <laughs> so I don't know why we've been there all this time and it's like what a fucking crazy perspective mm-hmm. <sighs> what a country we live in Uh, and the shit they do and the shit they try to you know make something validate something for another thing yeah what just history repeating yeah Yeah. always just i'm glad though like i i like you know i forgot and then i was like you know what screw it we're like in the middle of this activity on the constitution (laughs) i'm like you know they're gonna stay dead the Mm. constitution will still be the constitution we're gonna talk about this so you guys understand it and then you know we spent a couple days on it and yesterday i was like do you guys want to keep talking about this next week or do you want to go back and like no we want to learn more i'm like cool like we'll spend another day because this isn't like i wish we you know this is more important uh than you know like whatever we were going to talk about in world history like the mongol empire invading europe like (laughs) or you know sweeping across asia like this is way more important than that to your lives 
especially now where they're like they're taking troops out and stuff it's everything's still related yeah in the news interesting fact that you can trace almost all political conflict in the west back to the mongolian invasion of europe so really kind I mean, of related. I'm, gonna, I, I'm gonna try and <laughs> tie it into that because yeah. we're also talking about the crusades and i was like all the yeah i'm like this stuff goes back to then but so uh, there's <laughs> There's a thousand years, you know, like in between that they don't know about. So that's the challenge, but also the cool thing of like mm-hmm. tying in stuff and explaining, like, yeah, this sounds familiar as well. You know, like you said, like, and this, you know, this is how all this started. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was a thousand years ago. We're still dealing with the consequences. Mm-hmm. But, uh, anyways, let's <laughs> let's move on. We could talk about starting the show heavy today. (laughs) Normally it won't be so heavy. Uh It just happened to be, but you know, this is like, it's a heavy day. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing their current events and they're like, is there anything positive in the news? No, no, there's not like, no, No. news is always the negative. Welcome to (laughs) the hellscape. That is your, your reality kids. Sorry. Keep you scared. Well, Caitlin, tell us about yourself. Obviously you're from, you grew up in sparks. You went to read. How did you, end up becoming a therapist Mm, long and complicated but the short version of it is after 9 11 um and my kind of disgust at what was happening with the way the government was being run i was like i'm gonna go be a lawyer um and do international law like run this country better than these white men who are doing it currently and it's a low bar right um (laughs) very (laughs) but Turns out that going to law school is its own kind of hellscape. Um, And between deciding to not go to law school and graduating college, I ended up volunteering at the local rape crisis center where I discovered that I was actually good at helping people and kind of had a high tolerance for hearing stories of pain. I don't know what that says about me, but decided to like try to pursue that professionally. So after working there for a while, started applying to graduate school and ended up getting into the University of California, Berkeley. So I went over for two years and studied and then graduated into the 2009 recession where there was nothing for <laughs> nobody, yeah. right? Hell yeah. Um, so Stupid millennials not spending money on anything. Right? <laughs> Yeah, me and my avocado toast, we just tanked the economy. So uh, I came back to Reno and like, kind of floundered a little bit and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. There wasn't a lot of jobs. There really wasn't a lot of anything. Um, and spent time doing case management and working in schools with at-risk youth. And then eventually found my way to therapy, which was kind of always the end goal, um, and did a lot of work with kids who had experienced trauma and then moved up into adults and then after the birth of my son realized there was really not a lot of support for pregnant and parenting people and so went into perinatal mental health which is specific to helping folks deal with the moods and trauma and all the other stuff that comes with pregnancy and in the first year of having a new baby which can be really overwhelming um, mm-hmm. and so pursued that, and that's kind of where I sit currently. How did you, uh, like, I mean, lawyer, politics, <laughs> therapy, um, what was it about therapy that drew you to the profession? And, 
you said you were good at it, but I mean, people are good at the stuff that doesn't mean um, they don't always choose it to be their profession. What, what drew you to the profession? I'm sure. You remember from high school, just like always wanting to change the world, right? Like always the hippie, always like, <laughs> I wouldn't have called difference. you a hippie. Um, I tried to start a recycling program at school. Did you? Yeah. Didn't go very far, but really just like wanted to do something. Um, law felt like a way to take that really big and do like policy. And when I was like, I feel like we oh, all wanted to be lawyers. God, back then. Well, yeah. But then I was like, oh, if I go to law school, I have to go to law school with people who want to go defend Walmart. And that just feels really like <laughs> not in alignment with my values. <laughs> Therapy felt like a way to make change individually. It's not as big. So kind of in public health and social work, there's, um, a model of like people walking across a bridge, falling into the river, and you need to get them out and dry them off, right? So you can be the person who's like helping them dry off. You can be the person getting them out of the river, or you can be the person who's fixing the bridge so they mm. don't fall in. Law felt like fixing the bridge. Mm, and when I, I was that. like, mm-hmm. ah, like maybe that's not an option. So I kind of went more towards helping the people once they're out of the river so they can get better and deal with the shit that they have been through. What a beautiful analogy. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I painted that. I, I was picturing that in my head. Mm-hmm. What is that, imagery? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not an English teacher, but. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, no, that, that, is, that is great. Man. All right. and there's still a lot of fixing the bridge, in, in, especially in mm-hmm. social work. Yeah. You know, we're, we're very systems oriented. We're very big picture oriented. Um, I teach social work students, and we talk a lot about systems of oppression, capitalism, um, sexism, racism, kind of all the isms and how those things all impact mental health, um, which is a fun thing to watch people begin to realize. Like, you came in here because you wanted to help the person who's depressed, and we need to look at the reasons they're depressed. It may not just be that the chemicals in their brain aren't working. It may be that they live in a crumbling capitalist society where they can't get a job <laughs> yeah. and the job they can get requires them to work 12 hour graveyard shifts for $14 an hour. Yeah. yeah it might be just because they're the modern day peasant and they don't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this life is not meant for anyone. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you, you, you mentioned you teach uh, at the university. So how is that completely separate from your job as a therapist? It is. Yes. Yeah, so I, I do a lot. When I talk about it, people are always like, God, how do you do that? So I, I try not to talk about it too much, but so I run my, I have a private practice where I see people um, weekly. I also work for an agency in town that has a perinatal intensive outpatient program. So people that really need a lot of support, they go to multiple groups, multiple days a week. And I also see them for individual therapy. And then I teach at the university. Um, I teach in the graduate social work program. And then I also supervise student interns. And then I also supervise uh, postgraduate clinical interns. Oh, wow. Nah, oh, that's a lot. That is many yeah. hats. Yeah. That is many hats. My hope is to create really informed and sound people in the profession who can make a difference individually and in the community. So not only are you in the profession, but you're helping create the next generation of professionals. Mm-hmm. That is my hope. You're planting seeds. Yes. For the future. Mm-hmm. That's, good. That's, that's good. We need more people... Uh, in these professions to transform them, to change them. Uh, I was listening to a podcast of uh, socially conscious realtors who teach other realtors about biases and um, 
discrimination in real in the real estate business and i'm like that is amazing this kind of reminds me of that like you're taking what you learned and what you're passionate about and and teaching others to help transform these systems like you said these isms yeah you're you're so you're <laughs> you're you're help you're creating the people who are going to fix the bridge too hopefully hopefully fingers yeah. crossed yeah. yeah i mean who knows like hopefully society will last that long if it doesn't, then we're going to have seeds for a really great uh, post-apocalypse. post-apocalypse, right? <laughs> yeah. You buried us, but you didn't know we were seeds. Yeah. <laughs> the rose that grew from the concrete. <laughs> Look at you quoting fucking poetry over there. Or what is that? Uh, that's a novel, right? I remember reading that no- novel in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. The rose... Or- no, that's a tree grows in Brooklyn. Yeah. Just kidding. Rose no. that grows from concrete is Tupac. <laughs> yes, it is. That's right what I was about to say. But that's also poetry. Right, it's still poetry. It's still poetry, yeah. right? Tupac's more of a poet than crossing, a rapper. Yeah, you know, crossing up my seventh grade, you know, <laughs> memories there. Yeah. 1994 was a long time ago. <laughs> a lifetime ago. Life, yeah. Maybe two, it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> definitely for this country. Um, <laughs> uh, so tell us about your, your specialty in therapy. You said you, you deal with women... Uh, post birth, mm-hmm. all birthing people, yes. Okay. Uh, it's, it's an inclusive practice. There we all go. All birthing people, pregnant, there postpartum, we, and newly parenting. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens. The isolation of pregnancy and parenting, especially in a pandemic. Oh my god! We just saw I the numbers of mental health needs increase dramatically, just kind of across the board. But okay, specifically yeah. for pregnancy um, and postpartum timeframes, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic. The birthing person couldn't even bring anybody to the hospital yeah, with them. By um, themselves, yeah. yeah, you had to birth alone, which can be really traumatic. A mm-hmm. lot of things can go wrong in birth. Um, hormones, the loss of your support system, the change of your identity, all of that stuff kind of creates a perfect storm. And, you know, one in five birthing people is going to experience a major mental health issue post the birth of their child. Mm-hmm. Uh, which has long-term consequences because the consequence of a disengaged parent oh is the uh, issue of attachment, which attachment issues then kind of roll the lifespan and can create mm. people who are disengaged and don't care about the needs of others, which I might argue is a big thing that we're seeing today. Um, a lot of selfishness and people who value their right to do whatever they want above the right of other people to be safe. Oh my God. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, yeah. I wanted to reach through the internet and hug you when you posted about people not hearing of the social contract. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, this, this is what I teach to my students. And yes, it's just, this is like basic concepts of society. That are not old. They're hundreds, <laughs> yes, hundreds of years old. That they that are the foundation yeah. of our democracy. <laughs> that people don't understand and ignore. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, how do you, you know, because it goes to a lack of empathy. How do you, as a therapist, address that when you see that in someone? How do you build that that uh, I don't even know skill set. Or I don't know. It's not an RPG, but how do you <laughs> how do you build that up in someone who who maybe lacks the empathy or that uh, self critical reflection to to realize how they are? Self critical reflection we can do. Building empathy is a little more tricky. Um, you can 
in effect, help people learn to notice the thoughts that aren't serving them and the behavior that stems from that. But my job is also not to tell people they're wrong. Right. As much as no sometimes, judge. you know. Yeah, no judging. Like, oh. But yeah, when you judge somebody in therapy, it makes them less likely not only to like not come back to see you, but to never get into therapy again. Mm-hmm. So there is a very delicate balance that we kind of have to walk wherein we offer unconditional positive regard to folks, regardless of what, they've what they went yeah, through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the University of California, Berkeley, which is kind of a renowned hippie school, right? And my diploma sits on my wall. And I've definitely had some folks who are like, oh, well, are you going to treat me? I voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. I am. Because that's what I do. And hopefully what happens... Jesus Christ. Yeah. They come okay. out like just, that. They just come yeah. out. Come yes. out swinging. All right. Like, okay. Oh, no, Who's like, this, Tony fucking Soprano? Yeah. I'm here to help everybody. Um, and ideally what happens is through the development of the therapeutic relationship, then you can begin to gently challenge some of those things. But if you haven't done the upfront work of creating positive regard and helping people feel safe, all of what you did with your student, um, then you don't you don't get the privilege of then being able to kind of push back on those things that aren't working. Interesting. So challenging. Yeah. <laughs> so challenging. <laughs> so I feel sometimes very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That was, that's the, yeah, that's yeah. how do you deal with yeah, that, that. the frustration where, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you see like I, my degrees in psychology, I have a basic understanding, but you can see when, people's behaviors are the result of something that they're not dealing with and you can i get you can get frustrated when you're like hey this behavior is because you're not dealing with this other issue Mm -hmm. you need to deal with that issue and then they just don't and continue the behavior how 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 do you deal like that has to be frustrating Mm -hmm. i would say that a majority of people's behavior is based on something that they're not dealing with and if they're in therapy, then they're at least aware that something they're doing isn't working. And you just start there and continue to help them reflect. Like, oh, so this thing that you keep doing isn't working. Like, these are the outcomes that you're getting. Is there anything that you want to change? Do we need to talk about your alcohol consumption? Do we need to talk about your past abusive relationship? Do we need to talk about your childhood? And it's mm-hmm. big cliche, right? Tell me about your childhood. Your mama you issues, therapy, right? daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but... A, a lot of things that come up for me um, as a private practice therapist. So I'm not seeing a lot of the really like, big long-term schizophrenia or bipolar disorder um, that require lots of case management. But I do see bipolar onset after the birth of a child or severe depression. Um, a lot of that still has to do with attachment issues, trauma, and substance use. Mm-hmm. So it, it often just goes back to one of those things. I had a person, how do you, so th- th- I, had, I wanted to ask you this. I had someone I, that, that was a counselor for fucking kids who just hated the word trauma and thought it was like some bullshit, foo foo, hippie nonsense. Mm. How do you mm. deal like with people <laughs> who just, I mean, obviously, this field of psychology and all of this stuff mm-hmm. is new. We're learning more about it all the time. We're learning the long-term effects of all these things. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's, it's a new th- How do you educate the people that just because in the past people didn't have therapy and didn't recognize these things doesn't mean that they're not problems that have plagued humanity since our existence? 
Yeah. So some of that, I think, is just a reaction to the idea that people be like, oh, my favorite band broke up and traumatized. And so there has been a <laughs> pendulum swing against that. Um, but it is really important to understand, we're talking about like mental and physical and how they overlap, like traumatic experiences live in your body. They stay there. It's a damage to your nervous system. And the history of us understanding that in the field started with soldiers and then moved to women who had been sexually assaulted. And those are the two groups at first that we were like, oh God, this is a really big issue. And then the more we study it, the more we see it's like, oh, there's complex trauma. There's the trauma of living in a capitalist society. Um, there's, you know, the trauma of being, of having to raise yourself because your parents have to work two jobs, right? Mm -hmm. If you're independent at age eight, uh, yeah. that's something that you probably might want to talk to somebody about because that creates a lot of attachment issues and feeling like no one is there to meet your needs. So there are some people, and as we were talking earlier, like when you um, issue out the old and the new come in, we see changes. Yes. Like, oh, you didn't go to war. You don't have trauma. But I think the more people study and understand, we're like, dang, there's a lot of ways that people can experience trauma. And also a lot of ways people can heal from mm -hmm. trauma, which is the exciting part. Right, right. That it's not just, oh, you're traumatized. You just have to deal with it for the rest of your life. It's, <laughs> yeah, wow. it's, like, it's like everyone from World War II. Yeah. Just like, Pulling yourself by your bootstraps. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, and for the next 70 years, he just suffered from crippling nightmares <laughs> three times a week. And drank even and drank more. And drank yeah. and yeah, abused his wife and was unloving to his children. Yeah. And it was just considered normal. That's yeah. what being a man is yeah. like just ignore your feelings and traumatize everyone around you uh and trauma is generational yeah so it, yeah. it trickles down right we get cascading failures of um, adverse childhood events that result in people who have ongoing mental health issues that result in additional adverse childhood events that, and you can just trace it hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. hurt people hurt people as Charlemagne said <laughs> yes yeah. trauma on trauma on trauma and when you're not accessing resources to help with those things you pr tend to perpetuate uh, there are things that you can do there's a lot of really interesting research coming out and ways to address all kinds of stuff and so there are people out there feeling hopeless like oh but no one can ever help me or understand me like maybe the first therapist you saw wasn't a good fit for you but keep trying it's like your physical doctor you know like you go to the first one they don't understand you like there's more out there mm-hmm you and know. that's a, a big part of therapy. There's tons of options for like methodology and what kind of um, skills you want to use. And do you practice cognitive behavioral therapy or di dialectical behavioral therapy or are you a psychoanalytic psychotherapist? But for the most part, a lot of research suggests that the most important thing in therapy is the way you get along with your therapist. Do you feel seen, heard, and validated by them? Comfortable mm -hmm. talking to them. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, we're going to take our first break right here, mm -hmm. and Caesar is going to play his song of the week, yeah. which has nothing to do with therapy. No, but it's- It has uh, to do with basketball. Yeah, just because we always talk about basketball being like the sixth element of hip hop. You know, I just wanted to uh, uh, lighten up the mood a little bit. All right. So yeah. So my song of the week is Curtis uh, Basketball by Curtis Blow. So listen and enjoy. <laughs> Playing basketball, we love 
favorite sport I like the way they dribble up and down the court Just like I was a kid on the microphone So was Dr. J and Moses Malone I like slam dunks and taking it to the hoop My favorite place still is the alley You, I like the pick and roll I like the give and go Cause it's basketball I miss a curtain blow Caesar song of the week is Basketball by Curtis Blow, which came out in the great year of 1984. Yeah, that's where I was made at. <laughs> that's why it's great. Yeah. That's why you like it so much. Well, like, it's a, you know, it's a catchy thing. And like, we, like I said, we always talk about, you know, basketball is like sixth, seventh element of hip hop. Who knows? But like, but yeah, and I was like driving the other day and I heard it and I was like, yeah, that's going to be it. Basketball. I'm playing that. Did they re who remade that? A song? lot of people did. I so. feel like Bow Wow did or something. Oh, it might have been Bow Wow. 
it was, it was yeah, someone who, some an artist the, I didn't from pay the attention ATL. to. Yeah. It was from Atlanta somewhere, I think, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyways, we're going to continue coming our back. interview Baby, with come back. our friend Caitlin, who uh, uh, we were talking during the break. Um, mental health has become, mm-hmm. like, very, like, in uh I would say more common. It's been more acceptable for mm-hmm. some people to get seek help for mental health. I still think uh, it's taboo in some cultures and with some demographics. It's funny. I'm watching we're, my, my girlfriend and I are watching The Sopranos, which I feel like was America's introduction to therapy. Was through that TV show because it came out mm-hmm. in the late '90s, and then we're also watching. Ted Lasso, which is a more current, yes, uh, and I feel like more realistic uh, showing of how therapy should work, especially this season. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how 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 do you approach or how how do you feel about you know the difference between the the type of person who seeks therapy? Let's say that. Hmm. I think there has been a big move in my industry that feels like such a weird way to say it but like a lot of stigma addressing and stigma busting and talking about you know you are not your mental illness and that help is out there and people die because of the stigma attached to mental illness and so there are there's been a lot of outreach and yes yeah, sometimes um tv gets it right and sometimes tv doesn't <laughs> have you seen the sopranos um not since i was in high school because <laughs> i feel like i mean it's a good tv show but like the the character that's his therapist is over involved problematic yes, in, yes. Many, <laughs> many like just uh, like the fact it's i don't find it believable that she would be attracted to him in the way that she is and struggles with just yeah not having yeah, yeah. boundaries with him and I was getting annoyed when I was watching the show at the time. I was like, what is she doing? And Young Seas. Yeah, now, like, watch, rewatching yeah, it now as an yeah. adult, I'm like, this uh, is kind of wild. Yeah. But, that's but I feel like that was a lot of people's first introduction to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a reason that in the Code of Ethics, it specifically addresses not having relationships with your clients. And it can be really hard because you do end up in a really emotionally intimate setting with a lot of people. And some people confuse that kind of emotional intimacy with other intimacy. Mm-hmm. It should not be coming from the therapist side, though. Yeah, that was, I'm like, why? I, I understand Tony. I don't understand her, but. <laughs> Bad boundaries. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you, like, we, you talked like, you know, black men, Hispanic men are way less likely to seek therapy and how do, how do you think some of these um, uh, misconceptions are? Because I not you don't have to have a mental. I feel like people feel like you have to have some sort of serious mental Ill- illness to go to therapy. But just because you, and just because you go to therapy that you have some mental illness, mm-hmm. um, how do you get around these misconceptions and address them as you know a therapist? Right. So I think it's kind of important just to take it back to this idea that. Um, some groups of people don't feel comfortable coming into therapy and it's not necessarily 
like, oh, God, black men just don't trust therapists. It's like, let's look at the history of the way that black men have been treated by Western medical and the distrust that stems from things like the Tuskegee experiments and how we can say, like, yeah, why would they trust a bunch of white providers? Mm -hmm. So it's important to kind of look at that disparity and have an understanding. Until, like, two years ago, probably couldn't have gone to therapy and gotten (laughs) someone who really understood them. Yeah. Yeah, there's a history there, right? right? And it, it's a history that's really seeped in racism and oppression. And so that's really important to um, just keep in mind and needs to be a foundation of any additional work that's being done. Is um, You can do all the outreach you want, but if you're not willing to be like, yeah, like as, as an entire helping profession, we have fucked up royally for lots and lots of years, you're probably going to miss people. Um, the serious medical or mental illness stuff does become really tricky because for your insurance to pay for services, you have to have a diagnosis, which for me is problematic. It feels really unethical. I'm a big advocate for non-syndrome-based access to mental health services. But as it stands right now, we work in a medical model, and the medical model says you want to use your insurance to pay for services. There has to be something wrong with you. And so... And I've heard that... You only get a couple of appointments to make that diagnosis, right? Before Ooh, you even yeah. really get to know the patient, mm-hmm. you have to make this diagnosis based off of two hours of time you spend with them. Yeah, it, yeah. If you're lucky, two hours, possibly less than that. Oh my god, mm. man. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, a lot of things that you can do to help that. There are some diagnoses that we kind of use as like a starting point, an adjustment disorder with depression or an adjustment disorder with anxiety or anxiety not otherwise specified or unspecified that aren't kind of these big lifelong lasting diagnoses that will still get somebody in the door until you can spend enough time with them to be like, okay, yes, you in fact, you have a generalized anxiety disorder or like your life is really shitty and that's why you feel bad. Mm -hmm. And like, I can help you learn how to manage some parts of this and I can help you accept the parts of it that you can't change, but you don't actually have a mental disorder. I don't want to pathologize your response to living in a pandemic in a state where, you know, the baseline of housing is $400,000 and you have a new baby and (laughs) you feel completely unsupported. Like who wouldn't feel like garbage in that situation? And I am not a big fan of pathologizing things that, are just problems of living. And I'm also not a fan of not addressing some of the serious mental health issues that do exist and getting those people the much needed access to resources that also Nevada just isn't great at. Well, I mean, we're barely a state. (laughs) (laughs) We are a loosely organized association of Mm -hmm. people who rely on (laughs) casinos to fund all of our public services. Yeah. That is, that's a very good description of how the state of Nevada. <laughs> Which is why we don't have a we don't lot have, of access I mean, to yeah, mental health resources. We don't resources. have taxes, so uh-huh. we don't have services. Like, mm-hmm. like, like a friend of mine, when he started working for the state, was like, this is insane because he had worked with other states. He's like, Nevada has the smallest department of everything. Like mm-hmm. every single level of Nevada government is the smallest and that it could possibly yeah. be and still function. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, we're last in everything. Yeah. yeah. And that's why sometimes a little tax helps to, you know, fund things like this. Schools, you know, et cetera. Taxes are bad, bro. <laughs> it's fucking, it's against their liberty. Okay. Yeah. It's, Paved roads are bad. It's, it's against their si- fucking bad. oppression, bro. It's against their civil rights. It's, oppression. it's against their civil rights. <laughs> civil rights. I'm, I'm civil rights. Taxes go against my civil rights. Oh, man. Uh, no, but... <laughs> White they don't want to pay taxes. They also don't want to see the homeless people. But they, they have nowhere everything. to go. Yeah. Right? So they then want them swept. No, we've criminalized being mentally ill. We've criminalized mm-hmm. homelessness. We're sweeping people that have nowhere to go, uh, but not in my backyard. And I'm not going to pay it's for it. It's their fault. Yeah. It's all their fault. It's all they, their fault. Because they didn't pull themselves by, by their bootstraps once again. Ooh. The maddest yeah. I've gotten at, my, at, at school this year <laughs> was I mentioned. <laughs> I, I mentioned that maybe... Uh, homeless people deserved uh, some empathy and that they it wasn't necessarily their fault that they were homeless. And like, I got so much pushback from the students. And I was like, ooh, you yeah. guys are not ready they for this know. conversation. Uh-huh. Not ready for this conversation yet. Yeah. Because like, what was like, uh, in like San Francisco, there's a lot of homeless people now because they just, they have jobs, but they just can't afford the housing. Yeah. You know, so they work, they try their best. And just because the economy they live in, they just don't have a place to live in now. At poker like, last night, we had a huge... People uh, read it like that. Yeah, same thing. We had a huge argument with Kevin about the failures of capitalism as he was trying to defend Elon Musk. And I was like, you... That's bro, kinda, don't even kinda. get me started <laughs> on what you your fucking uh, defense right now. There's so many cracks in it. But yeah. as we look at, yeah, <laughs> thousands, the richest country in the world yet... We have hundreds of thousands of people living on the street. Anyways. And lots of empty houses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely not the most efficient distribution of resources that we could have. But mm-hmm. you know what? Liberty, civil rights, it's yeah. oppression to some people. Yeah. Stop talking about tax. Stop talking about even stuff. That's communism. It is. Stupid socialists. <laughs> We've done a really good job in this country of making things like poverty, mental illness, and addiction issues of moral character. Instead of issues of what they actually are. Mm-hmm. Societal um, fail- failures. Yes. yes. Structural and, failures. And it allows us to say, well, they're that way because they're morally weak and they have failed mm-hmm. and they're bad. And we're not that way because we're good. And that's and we're kind strong, of, yeah. yeah, we're strong. Um, I would never do that. That's not. Yeah. A- I mean, being wealthy and successful are seen as uh, like the embodiment of good. Like, yes. No matter how shit, like Elon Musk, no matter how shitty the things you did to get the wealth. You're still seen as a good person, and if you're a poor person, no matter how much good you do, you're still seen as lacking something because you're poor. Right. So now let's look at somebody who's living in poverty, who struggles with a mental illness, and has turned to something like alcohol because that's socially acceptable and offered as a solution to a lot of problems, who now is dealing with the stigma of, like, oh, you're poor, and you have depression, and you're an alcoholic. You don't deserve help. Right. And why would that person ever come forward mm-hmm. to get help? I mean, that's their, they're expected to be that way. Like, that's society's expectation of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. It, yeah. And you get, yeah, um, you know, working at my old school, you just saw that how the, the effect that generational poverty had just on students' um, like perception of themselves and what they could be in life regardless of any trauma or any other mental health issues they might have had, just their perception of what they could be and what they could do was changed just because of the poverty that they had been born into based off of, you know, generations of that in their family. 
Yeah. And we know that mental health issues go across all sexes, all genders, um, all races, all class issues. But we also know that there are certain things that increase the likelihood that you may encounter some mental health challenges. And poverty is definitely one of them. So it's not a big deal that 40% of all children in the U.S. live in poverty, is it? Probably not. I think we're fine. (laughs) We're good. No, that is a huge issue um, and one that we just aren't really equipped to deal with as a country. And so we kind of fall back into this safe coping of, well, if they're poor, it's their own fault. And why should we help them? We're not poor. That means we're good. And we want to put our money into stocks and bonds. Stop giving the government, (laughs) stop giving them handouts. They're going to be lazy. Yep. Until they need it. No, see, the thing about the social contract is until they realize that they're not getting what's guaranteed in society and they decide to take it from those that are keeping it from them. Mm-hmm. That's how this shit's supposed to work, people. Okay. But yeah, We're supposed to take care of each other. We and, and, yeah, evolved to do that. That's the whole point <laughs> of all of this. Yeah. Like, if you... And they're always, yeah, yeah, I just fucking hate libertarians so much. It's like, you know what? Go live somewhere where there are no laws. You won't have to bitch about them. You don't have to bitch about helping other people. Mm-hmm. Like, get out of our country. Go live somewhere where there is no cut. Like, go to one of these lawless places and live there. And then you'll be dead when someone decides they want the shirt off your back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, if you are if you don't want to look out for the person next to you and pay for their education a little bit, you know, or like universal health care or these nice things mm-hmm. that everyone else has just because you're a little better than everyone. Like, it's so petty. Yeah. Go, but, live in, go live in the jungle. And they now, see, now we're being judgmental. <laughs> we're not but, being good therapists The truth right is, now. is we all do better when we all do better. Yeah, that's the story of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> that when we need to talk about, like, you know, this, and we're getting maybe to a place where I don't have the authority to speak on these matters, but, like, liberation. You're a person. And, well, yes. I'm a person that carries a lot of privilege. You're human. You're a humanist. I'm a person that carries speak a lot of privilege, it. and I have to address and honor the fact that I do carry a lot of privilege. But when we're talking about liberation practices, like, we're not all free until we're all free. Like, if everybody has access to things like like hot lunches at school, which was a thing that they said for years we couldn't do. And then COVID hit and it was like, oh, we can do it. And like, oh, like we're Just feeding like, kids. Boom. <laughs> and, you know, we're reducing stigma around being poor. And that is actually really helpful. And when people have access to things like mental health and they can go address some of those traumas instead of feeling ashamed and like the only thing they can do is drink them away, then as an entire society, we do better. I mean, I don't know about you. We all grew up in Sparks. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that we grew up with are not – the healthiest of individuals as adults mm-hmm. and it's because of just like trauma and uh like the rampant uh um, drug and alcohol abuse that i feel like we all grew up around and it saddens me like i like there's people i know that are very close to it's just like they obviously need like mental health they need therapy to deal with these but it's you know it's affected their lives horribly and it's you know degraded their quality of life like in at this point beyond what they can recover if they had gotten therapy or had had better health or better you know access to things when they were younger mm-hmm. yeah and there's another issue too is just access i my practice i so i left um like a big organization during covid because there was something like, you're going to see 10 people a day, every day on a computer. And I was like, I can't function this way. So I left and I started my practice. So not even a year 
um, have I been completely independent and I have a wait list of like 10 weeks. That's cool. Except for like, I also don't know who to send anybody to because every therapist in town has a wait list. And it becomes a problem when someone who maybe has dealt with stigma or who finally gets insurance and is like, I'm going to get to therapy. I'm ready. And they're told they have to wait 10 weeks to see somebody. But the city made talk space. That solves all the problems, I thought. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts about talk space. <laughs> it's not good. I thought I thought mental health in Reno was, I thought like everyone was just like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. If you need a therapist, boom, you got it. Like they spent all this money. They made commercials about it. It's not it's not that good. Well, I don't know what the numbers are now. I know that a lot of like the for the money they spent, less than two thousand people last I heard had taken advantage of it. Talkspace offers one video appointment and then texting. And they couldn't contract with enough local providers and so they outsourced therapists from other parts of the country, which Ooh. also meant that like if your therapist was in Chicago, then you were going to have a therapy appointment at four in the morning because that's what time the yeah. talk space therapist in Chicago could see you before they then went and saw their full caseload of clients. Wow. That's shocking that that doesn't work that well. <laughs> some people I know have had really good luck and some people I know dropped it because it was so ineffective. And again, right, like being able to communicate in person, having that relationship, that's what makes therapy successful. And it can be really hard to do that when you're texting. I mean, yeah. Because even like a text between friends, there's like tone. There's like, I mean, know, like I so feel like message. I'm a very good yeah. communicator and still lot gets lost in translation mm-hmm. via text. Yes. And I use GIFs and memes and, <laughs> and all the emojis. And it just, it's not Still, as effective mm-hmm. as, as talking and seeing as someone's face person in the person communication. Same room. Yeah. It, it's a great resource for people who absolutely need it and have no other options when they've contacted 10 therapists that mm-hmm. take their insurance and everyone has a wait list because we all have a wait list right now. Or you can pay $150 in cash to see somebody, which some people can and a lot of people can't mm-hmm. do. And so there, it's nice that there is that option for folks and that option does not work for everybody and just my personal belief the city could have used that money to fund programs with local therapists and paid local therapists to meet the need of the local people and done some really innovative programs with people on the ground here and instead they sent that money to i mean i feel like it was just the easy solution to throw money at a really large corporation out of state that exploits the people that work for it capitalism Mm -hmm. Let's change the subject a little bit. <laughs> How do you deal with hearing everyone's traumas all the time, personally, yes. as just a human being? I cry. I allow myself to feel my feelings. I think that's a really big thing. Um, when we talk about self-care, I feel like actually having a conversation with a former student about this, and she was like, Self-care culture is toxic. It's like, well, it depends on how you define it. She's like, when the BuzzFeed article is like, here's 25 products to help you feel better about yourself, <laughs> like, that's probably pretty toxic. I'm like, yeah, probably. But if you're legitimately letting yourself feel and setting boundaries, that is really good self-care. On top of that, I um, have fallen in love with houseplants and propagating houseplants. And mm, I have that sounds familiar. lots yeah. of little <laughs> baby houseplants all over. You should go upstairs and <laughs> see, around our house. See the little jungle that's coming. Uh, we have like, I mean, it's there's only one. There's only five uh, rooms upstairs, and there's 
30 over 30 house plants aren't you like in a little house plant or a little plant group plant club of the we had a house plant (laughs) club of the month but we just stopped the subscription because they raised the price and changed the some of their stuff but (laughs) we're looking for a new one i think it's important to recognize humans have until very recently had a very symbiotic relationship with nature and even having a plant can make you feel better and having lots of plants makes me personally feel much better um, and that being said also spending time outside uh, getting sunshine uh, yoga although currently where i am in the semester really it's sleeping um <laughs> yeah i mean with with all the other things you have mm-hmm. in your life sleep is important yeah there, yeah. yeah and, and i love my four-year-old but she really struggles with sleeping through the night which means that Aww. I also don't sleep through the night. Aw. Mm-hmm. Your kids are adorable, by the way. We told Thank Clint you. this when we had yeah. when we had him on. <laughs> Sam just seems like just a great time. He's <laughs> he seems so like fun. a very rambunctious, rambunctious child. He is, and he's also really empathetic, and he cares a lot about well, people. I mean, look at his parents. Though. Yeah, <laughs> um, and he his new thing is picking up trash when we go up to the park so we have a trash bag a reusable trash bag that i got from the parks project so it's like this is for cleaning up trash out in the wilderness and he takes it and he cleans up trash when we go to the park and then dumps the bag out and he's always so proud of himself (laughs) and he has strong opinions about people that litter um i do too yeah i mean i grew up in california and it was like don't litter it's terrible it's like like thousand dollar fines for littering so, and then I moved here, and it's like everyone did it all the time. All so the time. Like, Good thing we're not in, like, Japan or something, right? Like, <laughs> Well, we have an economy based on littering because mining is just littering. publicly sanctioned littering. <laughs> yeah, of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> mining companies. They're mm-hmm. great. Well, um, I think this is a good time to take our second break as Frankie that starts going crazy. Someone oh. must have walked by the house. Um, <laughs> my song of the week this week is Best Day Ever by Mac Miller. It was the third anniversary of his death this week. Yeah. And talk about a death that hit me hard. I don't know why. It's just like he was like, you know, someone, a little kid that. We saw him grow up. Yeah. And just watch him go through his struggles with mental health and. and uh, Substance abuse. So, you know, uh, let's think back on the fond memories as we listen to Best Day Ever. Now, what you hear is not a test on rapping to the beat. Meet the groove and my fist are going to try and move their feet. Now, I am one of and I like to say hello to the black, white, red, and brown, purple, and yellow. First, you got to bang, bang, who said up to the roof, bang, bang, booty over the beat. Rock, you don't stop, because it makes you make your body off. Now, I am. What am I? And I brought two friends along. Ding dong, come on, ding dong, come on, man, sing your song. The ladies feel the words find your mind alive, cause I'm the rain grasses, the grand master of PMC. Three MC, so turn down the young ladies. Thank you. 
so high, cannot see Adolf, now I got these rappers all breaking up a sweat Cause every time I get up on the mic, I come correct And I learned it from the best, always dressing something fresh Looking for a little dime, big button, nice chest Yes, they heard I used to rock guests But now I'm rocking clothes that ain't in the stores yet Travel back in time, I'm in a vortex Try to make a workout, think I need more reps Used to take a bus, now the boy board jets Cause kids got me buzzing like a fucking hornet They say I got next, tell them that I got now It's all Disney, boy, my family proud Make them say L, make them say O The hoes that tell me yes, the same ones that tell you no Whoa, I ain't just an average Joe Way above the average flow Boy, my life is most dope No matter where life takes me Find me with a smile Be so to be happy Don't be laughing like a child I never thought life would be this sweet It got me cheesy from cheek to cheek hey, hey. And I ain't gonna wait for nothing Cause that just ain't my style Life couldn't get better This gon' be the best day ever If it ain't about a dream Then it ain't about me Making musical creation, a journey that I'm facing, plus the paper that I'm chasing got me crazy. After saying with the lames, I see you hating, but there's nothing that you're changing. Thumbs up, I'm maintaining. No complaining when it's raining, I'll be in another zone. Move out my mother's home to a world to call my own. I ain't gonna play around no more. Find a difference from the ground and the floor. If we gotta fight, I'll be down for the war. Thumbs up, homie, I'll be sure. No matter where life takes me, find me with a smile. Be so to be happy, don't be laughing like a child. I never thought life would be this sweet. It got me cheesy from cheek to cheek. Hey, hey. And I ain't gonna wait for nothing, cause that just ain't my style. Life couldn't get better. This gon' be the best day ever. That was Sean's song of the week, and it was "Best Day Ever" by Mac Miller. Uh, like I said, um, you know, just in remembrance of Mac Miller, and uh, that version of the song, he is rapping Curtis Blow at the beginning, who we played earlier, because that's how we do things in Up in the Mix, perfectly planned, and it wasn't an accident at all. <laughs> uh, but you know, like you were saying earlier, Mac Miller hit hard because, like, seeing him grow up as you know. Like, the song he came out with, like, Nike's On My Feet, obviously definitely hit me really good at the beginning of his career. But just to see him mature yeah, and to see him, like... It's also because we're old, Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. We're <laughs> like, seeing someone so much younger than us die, that they had so much life left, mm -hmm. just hits different. <laughs> like, yeah. it hits different than Tupac and Biggie, because, like, we were younger than We were than young, them. yeah. They seemed old. Like, we know he wasn't. Like, we know now. It's like, no. Yeah. They were young. Mm -hmm. It's different when you got that perspective. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Rest in power, Mac Miller. Like. Yes, yes. Um, so, Caitlin, it's time for the meandering questions. Mm. Uh, we asked versions of these questions to all of our guests, yes. although we changed some of them to be specific to each one. Uh, please answer them to the best of your ability in complete sentences and uh, explain uh, your answers or if you want full credit. Because if not, you'll be judged. <laughs> <laughs> or just you'll lose points. I'll still be non-judgmental towards you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, first question. 
what is your favorite thing to do to relax and get some self care? And you kind of talked kind about of, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh, what what's 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 the number one thing? Mm-hmm. I love naps. Really, like I sometimes struggle to take them, and I often have a lot of internalized capitalism that tells me I should be producing, but also like, same. disrupting yeah. capitalistic flow by allowing myself to rest in the middle of the day has been very helpful for me. I love naps, and it's one of the saddest things is the older I get, the harder it is for me to take them. Yeah, I don't have time for it, and especially with my two-year-old. Well, yeah. If she's not napping, then I'm not nowhere near a nap. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, they do make it hard. Mm-hmm. Next question. Uh, best place to take the whole fam for a good time? Currently or pre-COVID? Let's say non-COVID times. Yeah. Okay. If those ever come back. Yeah. Um. Because this is going to out me as such a Sparks kid, but my kids love Coconut Bowl. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that place is amazing now. <laughs> it has adult stuff, kids stuff. Like, like what the fuck? Uh, Where was that when we were kids? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The the go-karts and the ball pit. And if I'm not careful, the oldest will just shoot balls at the littlest uh, um, in the ball pit that area. Tracks. But yeah, yeah um, the food's not great, but it's good enough. And... I mean, you guys could always get food afterwards or right? something. Yeah. Um, and they fall asleep after we're done, <laughs> which is really the key point for me. Where have you guys been going with the pandemic? Uh, parks. Picking lots up trash. and lots of parks. <laughs> we pick up trash. Um, and Do they have a favorite park to go to? Rancho is a perennial favorite and it's fun and we can like There's pack food and go there. on picnics big, yeah. yes um but also luckily we live walking distance to a park and so we a couple times a week we'll just walk up the street to the park by our house nice yeah mm-hmm. except for when it's smoky don't yeah it's been tough don't, with the baby don't put but, that out there yeah but don't put that out there the that's, rain's that, fantastic that's the thing that's gotten me depressed is this like the smoke I, Everything else, I was, I was okay, but the the smoke is just that's the that's the bridge too far for me. Yeah, it yeah. De- really depresses me. Yeah, because I can't take the baby out, and then I love bike rides in the morning, and when it's all smoky, like I just I remember when I moved to the new place, took a quick bike ride, and I came back super fast because like I'm like it's hurting, Getting a headache, it's yeah. hurting to breathe. I got a headache. Like what's going on? It's like now nah, it's the smoke. Like yeah, so. In COVID, in the smoke, the best place to take the whole family for a good time is wherever the Nintendo Switch is set up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. What's uh, the best food spot to you in Reno, and where's a place that you'll never go again? Oh, see, this is hard for me because I went to graduate school in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And coming back to Reno, I was just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. There's mm-hmm. not enough choices out There's here. There's not enough choices, mm-hmm. and some things Diversity. just aren't mm-hmm. as good. Mm-hmm. They just aren't as good. Um, we have, in the, the big family, family of origin, me and Clint and the kids, like a lot of taste and eating restrictions and requirements, and we have a lot of luck eating Indian food. And so we do India kebab a lot. Nice. Um, the buffet is back, which is really exciting. Ooh. And the kids do taekwondo at the dojo upstairs. And so it's just oh, a real nice weekend nice. to, like, taekwondo, go get Indian Come food, yeah. go home and take a nap. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Places I'll <laughs> never go again. 
Delhi Town is currently on that Ooh, list. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Fuck that place. And it's back. I saw it's back. Yeah. Um, and squeeze in, kind of for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, plus, their food's just overrated and overpriced. Yeah. At least Delhi yeah. Town was good. Uh, their, yeah. cu- their Cubano was pretty good. I was just going to say that's so good. But <laughs> also, again, like solidarity with workers. And if you mm-hmm. think that people don't want to work because they don't want to work at your shitty job for seven twenty five an hour, then... What are you talking about? It was like eight fifty. dollars My bad. Plus tips. <laughs> Just think all the money you're going to make on tips at the gas station. And you get to work yeah. at a gas station. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're, you're in the bodega. Have you? Are, are you on Reddit? They started a new page of uh, Reno not do, don't shop, and they just uh, put different places on blast for their. No, I gotta look at them. Oh yeah. no, I'm not on Reddit, but I might be now. Yeah, Reddit's kind of tough because it's easy I to mean, go. It's easy to go into wormholes, and I got to fix talk number about of stuff. Double edged swords. <laughs> yeah. Reddit is the best worst of humanity. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, yeah, Caesar. I feel like you being. Yeah, I'd be too into it. And I got. T- I need to do. Try other and things. find a positive Reddit. Like yeah. my positive Reddit place is the NBA Reddit because it's pretty, <laughs> you know, probably funny. But like, yeah, benevolent. Yeah. But like, ooh, it's real. Anyways, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one, hardest part about being a parent during the pandemic. Oh well, the whole school being canceled in early 2020. And I happened to be working for a place. I was like, I don't care if your kids are not in school. You still have to come to work because I was a first responder. So that sucked. Um, and just the lack of socialization, the, like the kids not being able to see each other mm-hmm. and the worry about, like, are you guys being safe? Can I let my kid go to your house? Um, the first time that we took Silver to a function with a lot of people, that weren't people that she was related to. I think she just stared and was like, Oh, other people. Wow. And like, now she just can't stop hugging people, which is mm. great. But also like, baby, <laughs> these people aren't going anywhere, but you don't know that because you just spent 18 months away from everybody. <laughs> right. She's never mm-hmm. experienced that as At, a four year old. Right. And that's, you know, two to fours. I mean, really zero to three is incredibly foundational for people. And so for half of that for her was just spent, everybody in masks and you can't touch and you have to stay six feet and we can't go places. So it's been interesting to watch kind of the change of that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about the school situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause um, what Sam's in second grade, third, third He's grade, in third grade. Oh, that's such a good age. Uh, and so silver, is she in school? Uh, she's at, in preschool last year preschool yeah nice yeah how do you how do you how's that going you know it's hard obviously we're about the teachers um because they don't make enough to be put in danger the way and that they these have little been. kids is, is vaccinated right right <laughs> and the flip side of that is that there's been a lot of mental health issues for kids because of the isolation and because like if you're a kid in a crap home and school's your outlet and now you spent a year at home, in your crap home, mm-hmm. like there's a, a lot of stuff that can fall out of that. And just some kids can do it and still succeed. And some kids need the additional resources. And whether or not school is the best place to provide them, that is kind of the solution that we came up with as a society is like, oh, you get a counselor and a speech therapist and an occupational therapist and extra tutoring. And it all happens at school. 
And, and schools are the stopgap for everything. Right. They, they, they're and, magic. We fix. I mean, we're totally designed to address all these shortcomings yeah. in society. Oh, right. But then, then you yeah. have like, you know, I think my son's school has a halftime counselor. Right. And then she goes to a different school halftime. And it's like, mm. how is, no, schools can't. I mean, technically they can say that there's a counselor there though. So right. that's all that really right. matters. So whether or not schools should be doing that, which is a whole other conversation. The fact of the matter is that schools are and some kids really need that. Um, also, like, tell your kid not to share masks and wash your kids' masks every week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Underrated part is I underestimated how anxious the students were about being back in person. I, I because I've just mostly been around, like, early 20-somethings for the most part during the pandemic and seeing their not-give-a-fuck attitude about the COVID, I assumed that, like, younger kids would be like that. But the amount of anxiety and just uh, worry that I've seen from my students is, is I wasn't prepared for. I, like, they're just as worried about everything as I am. And I'm at once very happy for that, but also, like, you're not really equipped to deal with all this anxiety because I can barely hold on and I'm twice your age. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's change it up. Um, this is a, a more yeah. fun one. Uh, who is your favorite comedian? My son. <laughs> <laughs> Kids that keep it raw are so funny. He And he he fancies himself a stand-up comedian. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, that's a, how it starts, right? Yeah. You'll be shown little videos of him one day. Yeah. Doing his little stand-up jokes or something. With life experience. Does he make trash jokes? <laughs> They're sometimes trashy. Um, he, no, he loves dad jokes. Like, oh, those okay, are his okay. favorite. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. I think Clint mentioned that, that yeah. he, he did a lot of dad jokes. He that's, loves the dad yeah. jokes. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Dad jokes are simple, and, like, kids still get it. So, it's nice. And, you know, eventually he might not find them that, that they're funny. But yeah. he does now, so that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> And watching him laugh is like, cool. That's I'm good. A, that's great. If you're having fun, I'm having fun too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last one. Favorite coffee or tea spot? Ooh. Um, I enjoy Magpie for coffee. That's straight up and good. Um, my office is also very close to Hub Riverside, which has a tea bar. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are probably the two places I go the most. Some of that's just convenience. Yeah, how's the, how's that construction over there? Mm. Yeah, oh man. My favorite is watching cars see the like road close dead end sign and thinking that they could just drive. It doesn't apply it. to me. Yeah, mm. and so just like watching cars U turn and come back out Washington <laughs> Street like three, four, five times yeah. a day. I'm like, yep. Yeah, because they're doing an apartment, right? Complex thing. Yeah. Is that, is that what's the green taking space. over? Oh man. Fucking stupid. <sighs> yeah, we we have our yeah, was, meetings yeah. over there on, at at the McKinley Arts Center. So when I drive over there, I'm just yeah. like, whatever. It used to be a nice spot. Those trees are gone forever now. The trees, the trees are gone. Are There's gonna be a big, big old huge building right there, mm-hmm. like a like a thumb probably. So that's what it's gonna look like. Yeah, just. That was really nice green space, and the green space is gone. Well, yeah, you correctly navigated your way through the meandering questions, and you've reached the end. Congratulations. 
You passed with an A. <laughs> Plus. The perfectionist in me is very excited to hear that. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you're, you were a good student. I'm not shocked that... <laughs> that an A was, yeah. was in your future. You know what I remember most uh, with us is uh, Key Club senior yes. year. Yes. God, I was so nerdy. Like, painfully so. I never thought you were that nerdy. I was... The, but we were all kind of nerdy. I was in Key Club. I was in Honor Society, Academic Top 20. Yeah. yeah. But we turned out all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny because you don't think they're nerdy because you're in that group. Like, you're in there. I know. You know? I mean, like, I felt like we were the cool kids in the group. <laughs> we were. Some of the, because, like, some of the other people, I remember being like, I can't hang with this fucking person. <laughs> like, from the other schools, you know? Yeah. They were just... They're just too much. When we bailed on the Key Club Conference and then got in big trouble. I didn't get in trouble. Oh, well, I did. <laughs> oh. I do remember that, though. <laughs> yes. Where was We're, it at? What was it? We went to, like, uh, L.A., right? Uh, uh, are we thinking, or are we talking about a different time? Um, so, somewhere with a uh, uh, theme park. Yeah, because we went to Knott's Berry Farm. Okay, yeah. To so Los Angeles. But yeah. yeah, at some point we were just like, I'd rather Fuck be this. in the hot tub than at this <laughs> yeah. uh, workshop. Just chilling, yeah. And mm-hmm. then we got in a lot of trouble. That was a wild trip. I remember like there was, not to put anyone on blast, but there was a romance between some friends of ours that just lasted that trip. <laughs> That's sometimes it happens. <laughs> How high school of us. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's going on over there? Okay, okay. Like cool for them, and then like as soon as we got back, back home, nothing like nothing. It was like, like, nothing it, was like it never happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. good times, mm-hmm. Key Club. I, I was we had our club drive at, at the high school the other day, and I was like, "Is anyone in Key Club?" Because um, I was in that one <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, because I think I was like secretary or treasurer, and you were like vice president. We were officers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah. Not only was I in Honor Society and Key Club, I was the vice president of both of those organizations. Yeah, you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's you when were. That's when I thought college was my way out of Reno. Right? Like, why are you in this? It's going to look good on my college application yeah. that's one page long because yeah. I'm going to end up going to UNR. <laughs> yeah. And then and I it, totally did. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was your way out, the way to the avocado toast. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like student loan debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've got some shout outs and call outs yes. this week. Again, uh, Caesar and I want to give a shout out to Mojave Flower. Yeah. We will have some uh, special Things little, yeah, mm-hmm. to come soon. But check them out. Follow them on social media. Yeah, local They're growers. very generous mm-hmm. to Caesar and I. <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out to the San Francisco Giants woo, woo. for taking two out of three from the motherfucking Dodgers last week. <laughs> and your faces were in first place, going to win the division, and mm-hmm. Sean's going to win some money because he bet on it way back when no one believed that the Giants would be this good, except for me and my money, and I put it where it counted on the fucking internet. What? Fuck the Dodgers. Uh, and you, what do you have, the youth? I want to give a special shout out to, to the, the future? youth. To the future. Uh, like work, like getting back t- to working with large. Because the last two years, I've, I haven't really worked with that many students in person. Getting back to working with high schoolers in like a normal environment with a large group of them, I have to say the future's in good hands. The other day, I was like talking to one of them, and then you know I'm like, I don't know, man. Like sometimes I feel like 
you know the this you know the world's going to hell in a handbasket but sometimes i feel like you know millennials and whatever your generation's called is going to form like voltron and we're going to save the world together a little bit better yeah and then they were like what's voltron and then i had to explain what voltron was by <laughs> telling them the voltron uh, that that Power Rangers was basically a ripoff of Voltron, and then they were like, "What's Power Rangers?" Oh, and then I man. was like, "Damn it, <laughs> shut up! Just let's watch, focus on saving." Watch, the world. It's on Netflix. Watch it. <laughs> but yeah, um, there's so much more uh, empathetic and savvy and um, knowledgeable than we were at that age yes. about the world. They're uh, they're just uh, I don't know. They're they're a different breed, and the like. I appreciate it, but like people older than us are not going to be fucking ready for them. And it's if you think they hate millennials, they're going to hate this next generation even more because they just don't put up with it. Like I gave them current event assignments, and all of them were talking about uh, like the Texas abortion ban and what's going on in Afghanistan, and just their perspective and take on everything was so much more informed and uh, better than than uh like ours would have been even for the smartest of us Mm -hmm. at that age and um you know they're just so used to people disregarding their opinions because like they think they're young and yeah that they don't give a fuck like luckily all us millennials took the brunt of that and like they're so sick of hearing me they have no time for it and they're just like they won't even they won't even say okay boomers they're just gonna ignore them like as they should be and move them out to pasture and hopefully <laughs> uh, you know they'll take over with us and we can we can start moving in the right direction but the the ideas and the things they they know about it's just amazing I'm like god damn it this is great the internet has done some good because they know how to navigate the internet that's mm-hmm. the thing they're not gonna be spreading fucking stupid memes that don't like no one's fact checked or believe because they saw it on tiktok like they know that a lot of that most of it's bullshit so i have to give a shout out to the youth they've the last six mm-hmm. months have re- renewed my faith in humanity <laughs> that you know as, as long as it doesn't fucking go to hell in the next 15 years that maybe we can stop it from happening so yeah mm-hmm. some hope there is hope there is hope mm-hmm. we have people like you and clint having kids too so we need we need more people like that yeah. Raising, raising good kids. It's a lot of pressure. I mean, you've already done the hard part. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Sam's eight, so. Yeah. I, and he's funny. He's almost halfway to, yeah. like, adulthood. Oh. I know. I hate to be the one to tell say I that know. to you. I'm so sad. Well, I'm sure he'll be, like, a night. Yeah, like, I look at kids like that, and I'm like, oh, they're so sweet. Like, when they get older, they'll be a sweet adult. <laughs> sweet people that treat others well. Like, but anyways, Caesar, let's hear about our fuck, fuck girl, girl of, of the, the week. week. Salute to Lisa Bostic. Ooh, you got her name. I here. got her name from South Kakalaki. Out there, she refused to put on a mask in an aquarium, assaulted the cop, <laughs> and then had a loaded gun with no permit as well. And also at the aquarium, it says no guns as well. For obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. And yeah, so for her just getting mad because she like, I guess the employees were like, hey, please put on a mask. And she was like, fuck you guys. So they called the cops. And yeah, so I guess her civil rights were violated. Civil rights were violated. But then she also didn't, you know, she violated some laws. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, you can have a gun. You could have a gun, but with a permit, you know, 
What, she, what did she have the gun for? She, she, she thought she was going to get assaulted by a shark at the fucking aquarium? <laughs> the motherfucking shark got me! The little manta rays you touched were going to, like, you know, try uh, and do something to her? She's going to liberate the octopus. Octopus. Maybe. The octopus don't need any help getting liberated. <laughs> Those things, we better watch out. They're going to take over. Yeah. Those things are hella smart. Those things could slide in anything. Like, uh, oh, man. It's, they're they're it's my crazy favorite. To see. I love them. I'm wearing octopus earrings today, guys. Uh huh. Nice. Uh, So let's see his spirit animal is an octopus. mm. It's because he's tricky. He's a trickster. (laughs) Because he's tricky. I don't know. Uh, Before we go, we have one last Uh, question for you, Caitlin. All right. What do you say to someone who is reluctant or hesitant to start therapy but might feel that they need it or that it would benefit them? That. Most people really benefit from having somebody to talk to. And if you don't try, you might continue to live a life that will slowly destroy you. But if you do try, you have an opportunity to turn a corner and live the best version of your life possible. And you owe it to yourself to try that. Boom. Excellent answer. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Quick. Like, bang, bang. It's like you were prepared or something. Like it's a profession. Like you hadn't answered that before. Yeah. Oh, man, who would have thought? Well, thank you for coming and sharing your expertise with us. Yes. It was a great conversation. My pleasure. It was good to see you. I don't know when the last time I saw you in person was, but it's been a long time, mm-hmm. a few years. But um, make sure you check us out every Friday night from 9 to 11 on 97.7 K-Wink, where Caesar and I play nothing but the best in all things hip-hop. You can also stream at kwinkradio.org. And, you know, check it out and maybe become a member and uh, spend $5 a month supporting Reno's only community radio station. Yeah, because we all do it for the love of the game. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But uh, until next time, uh, make sure you like, subscribe to the podcast, share it with someone, be kind to others, stay hydrated, wear sunscreen, and uh, try not to be, you know, a negative in society. (laughs) Yes. This is uh, Tracksuit Poppy saying, uh, you know, cuffing season's coming up, so all you guys better prepare, guys and gals, and don't forget to respect each other. Yeah, cuffing season. All you guys, you know, hot girl, hot boy summer's yeah. almost over, and you're going to be looking for someone to spend your, the winter months with, yeah. cuddled up on the couch, watching yeah. Netflix, someone to watch some Ted Lasso with. Yeah. Time's almost over, you better stop fucking around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We digress. Salud. Peace.